This is Bentley Manning. And this is Kellen Day. This is an experiment to see what happens when church gets canceled. And we find new ways to connect. This is... This is... This is... Empty Pews. Hey everybody, this is Kellen. I'm coming to you from Highlands, North Carolina. And this is Bentley coming to you from Highlands as well. And Kellen, it's good to be back on the podcast. It's nice to have you back on the podcast, Bentley. So if you were listening last week, you maybe noticed that kind of halfway through the episode, my voice dropped out. Because you dropped out. I dropped out. I was across the street in the library. I, um, well, I mean, Kellen, do you want to tell everybody kind of what that was about? (laughs) I feel like like every, you know, like four or five weeks, I'm like, Bentley had to go into quarantine. <laughs> so here we are again, like Bentley had to go into quarantine because, you know, someone was sick. And so... Unsure of whether or not they had COVID. Right. So I just, I tried to um, do the right thing and, and not come into the office because I maybe I had COVID, though I felt fine. I just... Sure, you were being cautious. And, um, and I wasn't going to let you in the office. (laughs) You were across the street and we pretty much vowed to never do a podcast via zoom ever again after that one time in like April that we tried it. It was awful. I have this picture of Bentley that I took. I don't even know if you knew this. You just looked like death. Like you were so unhappy when we were doing the podcast via Zoom that I thought we can never do that again. But so I think it's I just finished it. I think it's worth saying, Kellen, you kind of you took off uh, and you did great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you don't <laughs> We are all surprised by this. Not surprised. I just think there's a bit of a fear that you might kind of have a solo career. But you know, Kellen, bands, groups do this all the time. I mean, they'll somebody'll put out a solo album, they'll come back Go back to kind of the, the full group. I don't think there's any risk of me going solo, Bentley. I think you don't need to be worried about that. It was not, it was fine. I'm, you know, was happy to finish the podcast, but it's much more enjoyable. And I think probably more enjoyable for our listeners to have both of our voices. Well, again, it's good to be back uh, on the podcast and out of quarantine. Glad everybody's doing well. So today is a pretty important day in the life of the church. It's Ash Wednesday, or, you know, by the time you're listening to this, maybe it's Ash Wednesday, but you're in the realm of it. So welcome to Lent, everybody. It's traditionally a day of fasting in the church. Um, The service itself kind of contains multitudes, I would say, right? This awareness of our mortality um, and this long litany where we confess specifically and generally our sinful nature and the details of how that is enacted in our lives and in the world. Kellen, I don't know about you, but my sense is that of all the seasons in the church year, Lent can at first glance seem like the most old-fashioned, a bit um, overly religious for us modern folks. But I find that Lent uh, shows up, at least in my own life, kind of always at the right time of the year. 
Do you want to say more about that? Well, I think uh, one thing is that we're in the middle of winter and there's this desire to turn and move towards uh, something greener, something more life-giving than what's maybe immediately around us. And so in that respect, I think Lent is enormously helpful uh, because in nature, you kind of see uh, death, you see um, things that have gone dormant that are just kind of ready to start waking up uh, to something more. And that's going to require some work. And I think in the same way, Lent uh, feels that way for the human soul. Yeah, I agree with you, Bentley, that Lent does feel old fashioned, but there's probably very good reason for that because it is literally the oldest season <laughs> of the church here, I believe, right? It was for early catechumenates preparing for baptism. Um, and so long, long ago, they made the season for those who wanted to enter Christ's life through the sacrament of baptism. But you sort of said something that, um, piqued my interest, right? And it was a metaphor about Lent. It's a metaphor, like souls needing to sort of wake up, grow. And um, I feel like Lent comes with all of these really, maybe not lush, that's not the right word for it, but evocative metaphors. Um, and so maybe we could name a few of those. And if anyone, and if any of them grab you, you could maybe walk with that metaphor through Lent. Great. Uh, well, I'll maybe just reiterate what I already said. Uh, I think a good <laughs> <laughs> metaphor for Lent is springtime. It's a great metaphor. Um, I mean, biblical metaphors, right, that our lectionary text will point us to is that is one of um, walking through a desert or a wilderness. We'll hear the reading um, this Sunday about Jesus going into the wilderness. It's always the first reading of the season of Lent. I, another maybe related to this, Kellen, is thinking of Lent as pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. uh, we're are, we're journeying towards something, and we're not just kind of walking aimlessly, but we have a, a focus to our journeying, uh, which is a bit like a pilgrimage, or maybe a lot like a pilgrimage. Yeah, and we're journeying with others and with Jesus, right, as he turns his face towards Jerusalem and starts heading there um, in his ministry. There's another metaphor I use in my little homily for Ash Wednesday, so I'm not going to tell you all about that one. You can go and listen to it. Oh, come on, Kellen. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so listen to this sermon and you'll get another metaphor for Lent. There you go. <laughs> but all of these metaphors, I think, are pointing us towards um, a season and a time where we're meant to uh, draw close to Christ and journey towards the cross. And, and sort of... Um, are invited to do some of the inner difficult work, right? Like walking through a desert, walking through the wilderness is going to be hard at some point. Growth is going to be hard and painful at some point. And yet there is the sense that we're moving through it. You know, it's not, that's not the final thing. It's going to be painful. Um, and yet there's a lot of, green that will meet us. Uh, Kellen, one of the things that I think um, we're meant to do as priests is kind of make the general a bit more particular for people. Um, and so you're, you're talking about uh, how Lent is going to be 
painful. We've talked about these kind of mm-hmm. metaphors for Lent, but what in particular is so painful about Lent and why would any of that be good for us? Well, I think that um, looking at your own sin is not the most comfortable task or endeavor, right? Naming the ways that I myself have fallen short, have hurt others, have participated in things that aren't good for the world um, or have estranged me from God. Right? Those are things that are maybe even hard to notice at times, like to do some of that reflection to enter into your own interior life um, takes patience and boredom and and eyes to see those things. Um, and then when you discover them, right, like it's easy to be filled with like dread and guilt and um, all of those emotions that come with naming sin. But... I think in naming them and asking for forgiveness from them and and um, attempting to amend our lives through the power of the Spirit, right, is ultimately about freedom in Christ and new life and liberation and new beginnings and um, and healing, moving towards something, you know, the spring of our souls. What would you add? Uh, well, coming at it maybe at a slightly different angle, but I think speaking very much to the same thing that you're naming, Kellen, is that the very beginning of Lent, uh, we are reminded of our mortality and the words uh, traditionally spoken during the imposition of ashes, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. I think getting serious about our mortality uh, is certainly cause for sadness uh, because it will call into question many of the priorities and values that make up our lives, uh, many of which which seem enormously insignificant when held against the weight of our mortality. And so Lent certainly is a time uh, where we're cut to the heart and we realize uh, the waste that we've made of so very much of our lives. Now, of course, the good news is that Lent invites us to turn around towards something else. But that initial turning, to your point, uh, can be painful um, because we recognize that maybe we haven't lived uh, to the fullness of our calling as baptized children of God. The reading for this coming Sunday um, is pretty action-packed for being such a short reading. We have kind of three big events happening in basically three sentences. One is that Jesus is baptized, um, and the second is that the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted. Um, There's also this lovely detail about the angels waiting on him while he's in the wilderness. 
And then the third sort of movement of the reading is that Jesus goes to Galilee and starts preaching the good news of God, um, that the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe. All right, Kellen, maybe since it's heavy, it's Lent, uh, maybe just I'll start on a light note. Uh, something in this gospel reading that stands out to me is that you mentioned that Jesus is, you know, the Spirit drives Jesus out to the desert and that angels wait on him. But Mark also says that the wild beasts wait on him. And I think that's a very interesting, uh, fun, maybe, part of this gospel reading. That is a really fun detail, Bentley. What do you, what do you want to say about it? Well, okay, so it it is fun, I think, but maybe what is... I don't know what Mark is trying to say here, but there's part of me that thinks kind of even kind of in this moment right after Jesus's baptism, uh, some of what happened, some of the story that we're told in Genesis is now being reversed, right? So that animals would be wild. They're now being tamed by Jesus and they're serving him. And I just think there's a whole lot that you could imagine, consider in terms of our own kind of rebellious nature and what Christ can do to that. Um, Because of course, these wild beasts of the wilderness are not safe creatures, uh, but for some reason, they're able to kind of draw close to Christ and, and not kill him, but serve him. I think that's kind of fun. I think that's really a fascinating reading of this text. And it's certainly like a theological reading, but I like it a lot. Um, there's also something fun about both kind of like earthly creatures, these wild beasts, and then also these angelic beings waiting on Jesus, right? Like there's this sense that his dominion or his authority stretches beyond the animals, right, of the earth and to all creatures of the cosmos. Yeah, both heaven and earth recognize something beautiful about Jesus. Mm -hmm. What's interesting about the mark and temptation in the wilderness is that we're not given very many details about it, right? In Matthew and Luke, you get the sort of threefold um, temptations that Satan puts before Jesus. But it seems here, right, there's this sense that whatever you or I have faced, whatever temptations we encounter, um, that Jesus might have encountered those in the wilderness, um, that it's not just these three temptations, but all the temptations of humanity Jesus faces and resists and conquers, which I think, you know, plays on your earlier comment, Bentley, about like what Jesus is doing and who he is, um, not in contrast, but in relationship with our own rebellion, with our own sinfulness. Like, how does he kind of um, restore and heal and face those parts of humanity that we ourselves so struggle with? Yeah, I, uh, what comes to mind at the moment, Kellen, is that we're um, quick to use the title Emmanuel when it's Christmas time. Uh, but Lent might be just as an appropriate uh, season to talk about God with us. Um, and this gospel reading, uh, we're given a picture of a Savior who aligns himself with the sinners of the world in baptism uh, and is willing to walk side by side 
and to be baptized next to the sinners of the world. And then quite um, immediately after that, uh, goes to the wilderness uh, to endure the very same kinds of temptations that we endure as human beings. And I do think there's a great comfort in knowing that Christ is with us uh, in baptism uh, and Christ is with us in those desert moments of life, of our lives where we are tempted by all sorts of things. I walked under the blood red moon And I've seen those wolves gather round And I've spent some time with the devil But never have I found another Here's a prayer. O Lord and Master of my life, give me not the spirit of sloth, despair, lust for power, and idle talk, but grant unto me, thy servant, a spirit of integrity, humility, patience, and love. Yea, O Lord and King, grant me to see my own faults and not judge another. For blessed art thou unto the ages of ages. Amen. All right, Kellen, uh, this was fun to be back together on the podcast. There are a number of things that I think we want to tell our listeners about. In particular, I think we should tell them about the educational offerings during the season of Lent. Yes, yeah, so Sunday morning at 9 a.m., we're starting a new book study on What Anglicans Believe by Sam Wells. And then Wednesday at 5.15 for 45 minutes via Zoom, we're going to do a class like we did in Advent about the virtues of Lent. So you should totally join us for both of those. Um, additionally, Bentley is going to send a letter out to the parish about um, ways to focus your almsgiving during Lent um, for the sake of others. Uh, again, wonderful to be together. We hope that you'll join us for one or all of those offerings in the weeks ahead. Uh, but in the meantime, please know that we love you. We miss you. God's peace. <laughs>